G'day and welcome to the Bernie Gannon Show. It is great to have your company. I really mean that and appreciate your support. The US will vote for its next president on the 3rd of November, just over a week from now. It seems that we are told that every election is the most important that the world has ever faced, whether that be for the local council or for the US president. But in the grand scheme of things, this current US election is right up there. America is a nation in crisis, like much of the West, and it is where the great battle for the soul of Western civilization is being fought with the most intensity. The bad guys are a loose confederacy of abortionists, professional looters, ironically organized anarchists, <laughs> very, very unhappy feminists, and pretty much anyone who puts their preferred pronouns on their Twitter bio, plus uber-rich media and big-tech oligarchs, all of whom are led by a guy named Joe who has spent most of his campaign in his basement. These guys are weird and miserable and believe that the government is the ultimate source of power. There are really only two unifying ideas this lot has. Firstly, public nudity is acceptable so long as you're at least wearing a mask. That's just polite. And secondly, a hatred for Donald Trump. The good guys are anyone who thinks that boys should grow up to be men, ladies start out as girls, nations should have things like borders and pay their bills, and that the truth is not made up uh, by someone who works as a fact checker at CNN or the ABC. This is my team, and we are pretty boring, but happy people. We think authority comes from God. The good guys are led by Donald Trump, which means that the good guys, firstly, don't really believe in professional politics. It's for losers. And the downside to this point of view is that when it comes to politics, the good guys, well, they're rank amateurs and don't really have it together at all, which is why they're being led by Donald Trump in the first place. And secondly, at least the good guys have a sense of humour. If you're not sure which side you're on, this very quick test will conclusively diagnose your instincts for good or evil. Watch this. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I it want to be accurate. <laughs> if you laughed at that, then congratulations and welcome to the team of good guys. Good for you. If you were shocked and need a safe space, then I have some bad news for you. You are a baddie. You have failed the test. If Donald Trump wins the election, it will be a tremendous rejection of the bad guys, of cultural Marxism, and the media narrative that it has overwhelming support, although it will remain to be seen if any such defeat will be decisive. I think not. Indeed, I think that this cultural civil war is only just starting. And if Donald Trump wins, there will no doubt be violence, as the radical and violent left does what comes naturally to it, destroying the joint. People who act and think like babies will throw a tantrum. But unlike babies, these people have weapons and like to burn things down. If Trump wins, the rampages through city streets will begin anew with refreshed fury. But if Joe Biden wins, it is likely that there will also be violence. The Democratic militias will have learnt one thing. Intimidation works. And it is also allowed if you are on the right side, which happens to be the left side of politics. So either way, we should expect more violence. And if Joe Biden wins, we should also expect a rapid acceleration of censorship, government control, and the use of the coercive power of the state to force people to accept complete insanity. The government can control the weather. A piece of paper determines your gender. Truth is owned by big tech and the state. These are ideas that you would find in a George Orwell novel. More than that, these are ideas that you would expect 
from a communist regime. So it should be no surprise that Vladimir Putin, who was a member of the Russian Communist Party for almost 20 years, has stated that the Democratic Party, which pushes these ideas, has the same philosophy which led to communism. Во-первых, демократическая партия традиционно она ближе к так называемым либеральным ценностям, она ближе к идеям социал-демократии, если сравнивать с Европой. А из социал-демократической среды когда-то выросла и коммунистическая партия. Но я был все-таки почти 20 лет, 18 лет был членом коммунистической партии Советского Союза. Был, честно говоря, рядовым, но, в общем, можно сказать, и идейным. But that may surprise you. It may surprise many Americans. Most people thought communism was dead. Unfortunately, it seems that the true believers and comrades kept on politicking while everyone else focused on their families or enjoyed life or just binged Netflix. Now these guys are close to running the joint. But will this fact, or anything for that matter, change anyone's minds? It seems that most Americans have already made their minds up when it comes to the elections. Polls show that 95% have already decided they'll vote for Trump or Biden. But the campaign con continues and on Friday, the last presidential debate was held. So what did we learn? Well, the first thing we learned was that Joe Biden's big, bold plan to deal with COVID revolves around installing big Perspex screens in restaurants. You need to have, if you have a restaurant, you need to have plexiglass dividers so people cannot infect one another. I think most people would rather get COVID than pay to eat in a plastic cage. And this is a serious question. If Joe Biden does win and billions are spent to build these plastic cages in restaurants all over America, most likely with government grants, will they ever be taken down? I think we all know the answer to that is no. But okay, Biden wants restaurants that no one will go to, and that's okay because it will save lives because we all know the coronavirus death toll has mostly hit fine diners instead of nursing home patients. Joe Biden also said this. What about fracking? All right, now, let me, now let me, have, have, let me allow fracking. Vice President I Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You, you said it I, on tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. Joe Biden says he never said that he opposes fracking. Well, here's the tape. Actually, lots of tapes. No more, no new fracking. We, we are, we are going to get rid of fossil fuels. Like what about say stopping fracking and stopping yeah. pipe? Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I feel sorry for Joe Biden. He is such a blatant liar that he doesn't even know that he is lying anymore. This man wants to shut down fossil fuels, the primary reason the world has grown in wealth while slugging billions to revamp every restaurant in America into a soulless, joyless cage. It'll never work. It is an insane idea, but it's what the Democrats want. And in a few days, Joe Biden may be elected as the US president. 
If he is, America as we know it will disappear for generations, maybe even forever. For more than a week now, Twitter has blocked the New York Post from using its Twitter account. What was its crime? Well, it spread fake news and misinformation. At least that's what Twitter, Facebook and pretty much the rest of the mainstream media wants you to think. But that is a lie. What the New York Post did was actually a far more serious crime. It published articles that hurt Joe Biden's campaign. Articles that, by the way, have since been confirmed in many ways, including by Hunter Biden's business partner, and which no one from the Biden campaign has actually denied. Joe Biden's son Hunter left his laptop at a computer repair shop and forgot to retrieve it. That laptop then became the property of the computer repair shop, and when its owner looked inside, he found thousands of emails which appear to confirm allegations that Joe Biden used his influence for his own personal and his family's financial gain and to shut down corruption investigations in foreign nations. People who received Hunter Biden's emails have this week confirmed that they are genuine. For obvious reasons, this should be a big story, but big tech and the media decided that is far more important to elect Joe Biden. So the story has been shut down. You are not allowed under any circumstances to know about this. That's why the New York Post can't use its Twitter accounts. And other media outlets are either on board or want to keep tweeting away. And they know that they cannot do that if they rock the boat. NPR, similar in many ways to Australia's AP, ABC, stated that it was not covering the Hunter Biden email scandal because we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. And quite frankly... That's where we ended up. This was a politically driven event and we decided to treat it that way. Huh? The fact a man leading the polls to become the next US president seemingly used his position to enrich his family with tens of millions from foreign nations while shutting down foreign corruption investigations is just a distraction. They're the words of NPR's managing editor for news, Terence Samuel. Shamelessly, the NPR was allowed to put those words on Twitter. Outlets who reported otherwise cannot post to Twitter at all. But Big Tech shuts down this story with the collusion of the mainstream media and they want you to think that this censorship is not politically driven. But that's a lie. Of course it is. So what is the news? Well, on Friday, NPR was tweeting out a story about a novel about a gay Catholic in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Apparently, that's news. And NPR's managing editor for news, Terence Samuel, thinks other things are newsworthy too. For instance, in 2017, he tweeted out a Guardian article about a judge in Canada who, get this, wore a Make America Great hat to work. Oh, the horror! Apparently, that's news too. But not the Hunter Biden cash for influence scandal. No one needs to hear about that within an election, just days away. Other journalists who love to pretend that they are intrepid and brave while uncovering the deep and dark secrets of the powerful have begun making complete fools of themselves looking for literally anything else to ask Joe Biden. Watch this. Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what flavor did you get? We got one vanilla, one chocolate, but I wanted to get a, what we call black and white because we're going to move it in another way. What flavor milkshake did you get? <laughs> That's the question Joe Biden's being asked to answer. It's crazy. These so-called journalists are shameful. They're nothing but sycophants masquerading as news reporters. 
If Donald Trump does win the US election, it won't just be a repudiation of the Democrats' insane agenda. It will be a public humiliation of the mainstream media, which has stopped reporting facts and is now merely a propaganda machine for those who have lost all touch with reality and are obsessed solely with power, their own power. If you were running for office and suddenly found that your biggest supporters were prostitutes, Satanists and drag queens, you'd probably stop and reassess your policies. Well, at least that's what normal people would do, but not Joe Biden, even though these people have become the biggest cheerleaders of his agenda. Earlier this year, the various left-wing media outlets fell over themselves to report on Jen. Jen, apparently, was able to cut a sway through police brutality by emerging unclad and completely naked from BLM riots in Portland to confront cops hell-bent on killing everyone. But Jen stopped it all. <laughs> Obviously, that was completely uncontrived. Jen just acted on the spur of the moment, which is why it was a complete coincidence that so many Antifa camera crews happened to be on the spot for this totally brave and not at all narcissistic act. By the way, it just so happens that Jen is a prostitute. She sells her body, and not just for cash it seems, she does it to buy votes too. She says her nakedness is political. If Jen was your daughter, you would be horrified. Any good father would. Jen is someone's daughter. Think about that. And then think about the fact that for Jen, for her 15 minutes, came to be the face of the most vocal anti-Trump movement in America, Black Lives Matter. It makes sense. Black Lives Matter opposes the nuclear family and Jen makes a living servicing men who don't believe in it either. It says a lot about BLM. It says a lot about the Democrats. This movement thrives on people who have no self-control or self-respect at all. And they want everyone else to be just like them. But it doesn't end there. And Tifa has its own squad of transgender activist warriors. These would be men, fat men it seems, who think that dressing as a woman and confronting police while the rest of the Antifa crew prepare for the riot is somehow, well, I don't know, important liberating, or even just symbolic. I don't really know what that was, except for a terrible lip sync routine. That dude would definitely get booted from the first edition of The Voice. That's how clueless and talentless he is. But Antifa has given him meaning and a role to play in tearing down society. So he's become a cheerleader for Joe Biden. That says a lot about Joe Biden too. Meanwhile, in Boston, people literally stood in a fire and started eating hearts and pouring blood over themselves to protest against Donald Trump. I guess it's a satanic thing and makes sense to them.
That man needs help, but he's helping to campaign for Joe Biden. If I played the whole video, you would eventually see him run around in circles screaming, F Trump! But I wanted to spare you from that. There are horror movies out there that attempt to depict possession. That video had no special effects and a zero dollar budget. It did a far better job. What you just watched was a real life horror movie. It was a pro Joe Biden protest. And the stars of this horror movie may soon be running the most powerful nation on earth. If they do, there'll be much bigger sequels and they'll be playing everywhere. This week, Dictator Dan, the Dark Overlord of Victoria Stan, did something stupid. Again, he originally decided to allow a whole 1,000 people to attend the Cox Plate, which was run yesterday. A whole 1,000 people. That that is even something to cheer about shows just how bad things are in Victoria. But the cheering didn't last long because as soon as this announcement was made, people started asking questions. Good questions. Questions like if, Rich racehorse owners can go to the races. Why can't I catch up with my family on the same day for a grand final barbecue? Or why can only five people attend Sunday Mass, which must be held outside? Or even why can't my whole family go to Dad's funeral? Dictator Dan didn't like the tone of these questions. It immediately became obvious that if he was going to give freedom to rich racehorse owners, the rest of society's plebs would probably have to, you know be allowed to live their lives too. And that would be unacceptable. You can't have people out and about. COVID might happen. So Dictator Dan did something stupid. He shut down the races. And get this, he shut them down even though he says it was safe to let people go. Premier, can you please explain why it was considered safe for 500 plus people to attend the races, but still thousands of local businesses can't reopen? Well, I'm not here to provide medical advice. Um, this went through a normal process. Uh, it was deemed uh, safe. They weren't all, you know, literally, they weren't all sitting on top of each other or next to each other. They would have been spread out. They would have been there in smaller numbers over the course of the day. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not here to interpret that. Uh, but it went through the normal process. But it was the wrong decision. Uh, I'll cop that. Uh, it, the right thing to do is to change it. That's what we've done. It won't be happening on Saturday. We're constantly told that these decisions are based on science and data. Is it fair to say that that wasn't based on science and data? No, that's or not fair to say at all. Sorry? Just, that's not fair to say at all. I've just confirmed for you that these matters went through the normal process and there was public health advice. So it was safe to go to the races. The public health advice gave it the all clear. But still, no one was allowed to go anyway. Dictator Dan says it would be the wrong thing to do. It really is bizarre, infuriating if you are caged up in Victoria. Basically, it shows that the whole lockdown is just an arbitrary power trip from a man who has decided that he wants to be the lead player in a massive replication of the Stanford prison experiment. And to highlight how arbitrary it is, it is expected that today, Dictator Dan will give some freedoms back to Victorians, even though absolutely nothing has changed in the past 24 hours, or even the last week, or even pretty much at all since this lunacy unfolded. Yesterday, no races. Today, maybe races. Who knows? But we should be grateful. Dictator Dan has your interests at heart. He is nothing like an abusive spouse who plays psychological games with your heart and your mind. He wants to know, he wants you to know that he loves you, which is why yesterday, which also happened to be grand final day, Victorian police drones were buzzing all over Melbourne to stop grand final gatherings. Victoria now has the barbecue cops. 
Senior police are justifying the use of drones and helicopters to monitor grand final day parties in a crackdown on rule breakers. As crime reporter Lana Murphy explains, homes, backyards and public spaces will be targeted. On a day when it should be the big men flying at the MCG, instead it'll be drones doing the aerial work. Here we are, if you like, in our own last quarter. Uh, we can see the finish line in sight and... Uh, we just need to hold the line. Victoria Police is taking crowd control to new heights to monitor numbers at parks and beaches on Saturday. Notice Channel 9 had their crime reporter do that story and came complete with a fat Chief Wigan warning Victorians not to break the law on grand final day. I've got to say this, anyone who still thinks these guys are doing the right thing by us is an idiot. What we have is a bunch of power-hungry morons running the joint in Victoria. They are fools, they are insane, and they are destroying lives, which is why it was so pleasing to see so many people protesting on Friday. Lana Murphy, a journalist from Channel 9, tweeted that Friday's protests were the largest seen in Melbourne this year. That's good news. Dictator Dan's time is running out and not a moment too soon because behind all of these draconian restrictions is real heartache. Just this week we learnt that four South Australian babies died, died because they could not get the medical care they needed in Victoria. Dictator Dan, like all dictators, has blood on his hands. Vatican and Australian investigators are now looking at transfers of over $2 million in relation to potential bribes to witnesses in the case against Cardinal Pell. That's more than double what was first reported a couple of weeks ago when this story broke. The money was allegedly transferred by Cardinal Betchew, who was reportedly motivated to get Cardinal Pell out of the way because he was investigating Cardinal Betchew's financial dealings. Cardinal Betchew has since been sacked by the Pope. There is a lot of smoke building around this story and it is growing. New South Wales Liberal Senator Conchetta Ferrivanti-Wells has told the Senate that these transfers did occur and now four agencies, Austrac, the Australian Federal Police, Victoria's Anti-Corruption Commission and the Victorian Police are all investigating. So are Vatican investigators. In fact, two arrests have been made in Rome in relation to fraud and embezzlement in relation to Cardinal Betchew's dealings, although he still denies all wrongdoing. As of yet, there is no proof that any of those dealings in Rome has anything to do with Cardinal Pell's trial here in Australia. But the fact that Victoria's anti-corruption watchdog is on the job is interesting, including the fact that the AFP referred the matter there. Most people who have been following these allegations and the Cardinal Pell case will have zero confidence that the Victorian police hierarchy, now busy running drone operations over Victorian homes, will deal properly with this matter. After all, Victorian police opened its Get Pell crusade before a single complaint was even lodged against him. If these allegations do turn out to be true, will anyone be surprised at all if it is revealed that Victorian police were also involved? No. And even if that is not the case, that says a lot about the abysmal trust people now have in the Victorian police force. Staying on Vatican scandals, Pope Francis has endorsed gay civil unions. This is a surprise considering that the Catholic Church teaches that homosexual behaviour cannot be approved under any circumstances and the Pope is, well, the head of the Catholic Church. 
I guess it's kind of like the Greenpeace head honcho endorsing Japanese whaling, but even worse, like a million times worse. Gay civil unions are a bad idea, and you don't need to be a Catholic to understand that. They do nothing but give legal fiction to the idea that a relationship of two people of the same sex has the same validity as a marriage. It does not. Any two heterosexuals can make life. It is not hard, and this force is so powerful that it happens all the time, literally often by mistake. It is a power that needs to be very carefully wielded. On the other hand, you could lock every gay man who attended last year's Sydney Mardi Gras on a desert island and nothing would happen, except STDs, no social distancing, you see, but no life at all. The Pope has made many, many ambiguous com comments in his reign. This one is by far the worst, and this will not be the last you hear of it. Pope Francis is creating divisions that will be similar to what unfolded in the Reformation. Anyone who understands history knows that split rendered Europe apart, both spiritually and physically, and he has had many untold sad consequences since that still reverberate today. It may well be that future historians lump Pope Francis and Martin Luther together, and in the fullness of time, no Pope wants to be in that position. Given the increased censorship of Facebook and Twitter, and the fact that these companies are refusing to pay Australian media outlets for the content that they produce, some suggestions have been made to potentially replace Facebook in Australia. After all, Facebook has threatened to essentially shut down its news feeds if it is forced to pay for content. Some have suggested that the ABC instead run a social media channel for Australia. This idea was canvassed in various media outlets during the week, including in the Australian newspaper. This is an insane idea. Anyone who thinks that the ABC will run a platform with less censorship than Facebook has rocks in their head. New South Wales police have busted up a childcare scam. You can see one of the alleged fraudsters here, complete with her headscarf. Apparently, 13 people were allegedly able to defraud over $500,000 of taxpayer funds in just eight months. As I pointed out recently, childcare is the most inefficient program that the government could ever run. The whole idea is that the taxpayer will pay complete strangers to look after kids that parents normally do so for free. It is completely predictable that some see this system with its truckloads of cash as an easy target for fraud. And it's not the first time this has happened. Last year, the Daily Telegraph reported more than 200 childcare centres have been shut down for links to terror cells and biker gangs and for fraud. In 2016, police investigated allegations that over $20 million claimed through childcare centres had been siphoned off and sent to the Islamic State. Don't be surprised to hear of these problems again. And don't be surprised when they once again centre on the reverse and multicultural Western Sydney. It's that time again, Goose of the Week. But this week, I'm opening up the decision to you. The power to bestow this prestigious award now rests entirely upon your noble shoulders. The first nominee is Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins American football team. This football team comes complete with its own cheer squad and now, shock horror, it is reported that Snyder said this about his cheer squad. You better keep them skinny with big tits or I'll effing kill you. Now, some have complained that that is a lewd remark and they are right, it is. But Snyder now says he never said it and who knows, he may be right. But it would still be effectively a lie. The whole purpose of cheer squads 
is to use sex appeal to sell. So Snyder is kind of gooseish for pretending otherwise. And so are all the equality experts out there who now seem to want to fill cheer squads with unattractive people. The second nominee is this crazy lady. I'm terrified! Listen to me, Republicans! Listen! You are the people in history they warned us about! They warned us about people like you! Pay attention! We're losing our democracy! Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> I don't really need to say anything else except that if it was up to me, Crazy Woman would get this week's award hands down. But that power is now all yours. I don't want to take it from you. Use it wisely, my friends. The final nominee is Mark Bryan, an engineer and a football team coach. And, well, Mark Bryan is also a man who says he is happily married, but that he gains confidence and strength by wearing women's clothing and that none of this is driven by any sexual fetish whatsoever. I think, actually, that Mark Bryan is a dead-set moron. But that's just me. He also says clothes have no gender while claiming that women's clothing is empowering. And so now it is up to you to decide which of these geese is the top goose of the week. I'll let you all know next week who the viewer's choice winner is. To vote, please leave a comment on this article on the Good Source webpage. You'll either be watching this video on that webpage or there will be a link in the YouTube description below. Let me know who this week's winner is. Is it Daniel Snyder from the Washington Redskins for claiming that his cheer squad wasn't chosen for its specific looks? Or is it crazy Democrat Karen or Mark Bryan and his women's clothing? Go and vote now. It's your duty. These videos are being edited by Aidan Crotty. He slaves away every Saturday to bring this production to you. He is just one of the volunteers who helps us fight fake news at The Good Source. He does a great job and I thank him for his efforts. On the 31st of October, it will be Queensland Election Day. Good Source will have its election panel. Stay tuned, it will be a fun evening, laughs, news updates, crossing to key electorates. It will be a great event. The Bernard Gaynor Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Bernard Gaynor. To watch, listen to or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show. 